0: There's a correlation between trauma and limiting beliefs. Mm. I believe something can be a limiting belief and not be trauma. Yeah, but I believe kind of all trauma is a limit is the baseline of a limiting belief.
1: This is your badass journey podcast. I am Karyn Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome, everybody, to another episode on Your Badass Journey podcast. Today, I have such a fun conversation for you. As you know, I love meeting badass entrepreneurs. And Cassandra is one of them. She is someone who has been a serial entrepreneur from such a young age. And I had to share her journey with you because I know, A, it'll help you realize that you really can do whatever you want once you get that clarity and set your mind to it. But B, also to be inspired by the consistency she has had in seeking out the next level for herself personally, as well as professionally, and how she continued to build and establish businesses that run themselves and then launch the next one and the next one and the next one. From a young age, Cassandra cultivated the belief that she had to be self-sufficient to succeed. This helped her escape from a turbulent upbringing in her household stricken with abuse. Cassandra's Entrepreneurial Endeavors taught her firsthand how trauma can manifest in different ways. Self-sabotaging, doubting your intuition, white-knuckle control, and even perfectionism. Despite these challenges, she was able to create and grow multiple successful businesses, including Tola Marketing and Creative and Milk and Cookie from the ground up. She discovered what it truly takes to leverage trauma and define a new level of income, impact, and fulfillment. So you see why I had to have her on today's show and share her journey with you because I know it's going to inspire you to want to step into your ultimate life and build your amazing career and business and connect with us. So if you have any questions, please do not hesitate to connect with Cassandra or myself. You can find her at Cassandra, that's dot com. And of course, you know how you can connect with me on Insta, on LinkedIn, (laughs) anywhere you'd like. But of course, you can also text me. Texting me your questions is probably the fastest way you'll get a response as well as the support you need during whatever it is that you are going through regarding your career and business. So go ahead and text me at 917-540-5782. And let let me know what your question is. But without further ado, let's jump into today's conversation. I'm super excited to share Cassandra's journey with you. See you on the other side. Welcome everybody to today's interview. I am so excited to introduce you to Cassandra Shuck. Cassandra, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Me too, girl, because you know, you and I get on the phone, we could talk about so many things, between our businesses, our life, our travel. It's just it's just so much fun to have the opportunity to share you with my listeners because your perspective on the items that ignited you to start your business is is different than what most people choose to talk about or share. And, and yeah. so I want to just thank you for coming on the show and sharing a piece of yourself with everybody.
0: Yes. Thank you for giving me a platform to do that, honestly. And I just truly hope whatever comes through and whatever we talk about is, is valuable to your listeners. I'm sure it will be.
1: Because uh, you always add value everywhere you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would love
1: for you to share your journey from when you kicked off your first business like and, and to the businesses that you own today and run today. But really, what started to create the impetus of wanting to run your own
0: business and put yourself out into the world? Awesome. So I actually started my first business at age 7. And when I say that, typically people kind of roll their eyes and they're like, Oh, that's cute. It was like a lemonade stand at the like end of your street. And I'm like, not really. My first business was actually jewelry that I was making and then hiring other people to make, buying it wholesale, and then selling it retail, and then also having a retail account as well. Amazing. At what age? At seven? That was seven. So between the ages of seven to ten, that quote unquote business was in business. And honestly, it's funny because I kind of look back and you know, being able to connect all the dots. It was 100% out of survival and instinct that I knew I needed to be self reliant. So I grew up in a very, very turbulent household, I like to say. Nothing was stable, nothing was safe. I had never felt loved as a child. Um, There was a lot of drug abuse, addiction, and abuse. And I learned at a very young age in order to kind of get what I want and to be, to live how I want to live, I have to be 100% reliant on me. So, that birth of that business actually came out of honestly the seven year old girl who had to grow up really, really, really quickly. Mm. And then, what was it that like, how did that work
1: though in your family in that environment at that age, actually earning an income? What did that look like?
0: Yeah, so it wasn't a massive income (laughs) by any stretch, Um, (laughs) but still an income at seven. I am just like, I'm picturing you as a
1: child hustling, Mm -hmm. making your jewelry. And and I get it because there's a significance when you can own your own thing, and and if you're in standing in self-reliance, right? It's phenomenal that you're able to figure all this out and make it happen. But
0: yeah, so honestly, the income counted for my father's income. I would actually give him the money. He would take out a percentage, supposedly towards taxes, and Mm -hmm. then give me a percentage back, which is honestly, ultimately, like a couple years into the business slash side hustle as a kid, I stopped. Yeah. Is because I realized the piece that was giving me that self-reliant factor was still actually relying on one of my biggest abusers. Yeah. So that's was kind of the birth and the death of that business. And to be honest with you, after age 10 to really age 16, 17, I shut off that entrepreneurial side of me. I numbed out a lot to be to be completely and totally transparent. Sure. But um any sort of the passion, the creativity, the That was fun for me. Any sort of that just kind of shut down. So it wasn't until... Actually, as I was graduating college, I was 19. I graduated super young. I got a a little bit of an early start because I moved out of the house when I was 16. But as I was graduating college at 19, I started kind of reigniting that entrepreneurial piece of me by working at the Small Business Development Center. So I was literally the first job straight out of college, first internship straight in college had a lot to do with entrepreneurship, even though, again, looking back, I didn't really connect the two pieces, but it was just like a, a fire had been completely reignited of just a, a passion and love that I had since I was a little girl.
1: I, I think that's... Um, I, I just want to say I could totally relate to the numbing out phase. I went through that myself in how I was more of it was an emotional trauma for me. Mm-hmm. In my high school years, and it shut out a part of me, but I was still highly functional exactly in life, like it, And so I always say like I'm, you know, I was highly functional in my dysfunction, And hearing you say that it's just you know put me back into that time of my life as well, and that, how I can totally relate to survival mode, of just get through it, to get out. And then love that you found a way by 19. Because a lot of people actually come out of that and they still stay in the dysfunctional mindset of still happening uh, versus trying to figure out the method to which to come out of it or or figure
0: out a better way of being. So Uh, so, uh, let, let, let me just clarify too, like, that was that piece was a piece that was reignited but i was still very very much in trauma mm. and in that mindset so one of the reasons why i think i got a job immediately out of college was because i wanted to be deemed as successful mm. and i wanted that love and praise that i had kind of already or already had already been seeking for you know 19 20 years i like wanted someone to say cassandra you did a really good job i'm really proud of you you know things were stacked against you but like you overcame and you crushed it and i never got that so i went a little bit deeper into the the trauma cycle sure. and started working at my parents favorite company and getting promoted really 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 quickly in that company and honestly it would be a you had mentioned being functioning in a trauma scenario my trauma actually was probably the reason why i had a six figure job by 23 mm. Like that, that you know, that's not normal. (laughs) That that was my path because I was so good at propelling myself so forward, so quick. So I didn't actually have to feel what was going on inside and how I was feeling and what I was looking for. And what type of work was it? Uh, So I was working in the automotive space and I was doing marketing and I was doing marketing for a massive OEM automotive company and uh, getting promoted really, really quickly. I was in the digital space and the digital space was still fairly new and exciting and. That was kind of where I was like, honestly born into um, just the, the time, like a time standpoint.
1: And then that growth that you had there and the experience, etc. What happened
0: next? So I would kind of go through a churn and burn where I would be somewhere for about nine months and then just realize I was not happy. Realize that everything I was doing, although like, yes, I had the company car. Yes, I had the 401k. Yes, I had the stock options. yeah, I had all the, the things like air quotes. Mm-hmm. That I was supposed to have, but at the end of about nine months, it was kind of a nine-month cycle. I was uh, my team calls it the itch to ditch.
1: Mm. I was like,
0: "This is not like I just I didn't care anymore. I didn't have any desire to do the work that I was doing when I was that." And that's honestly when I started realizing something wasn't aligned. And and what led you to the path to figure out what alignment means? So I honestly had to get really really quiet my, with myself and do some deep deep healing work. So I was lucky in the sense that the the companies that I, the company that I was in, in particular, they gave me a really good amount of free time, a really good amount of vacation, a really good amount of you know of money and resources to be able to do some deeper healing work. So I remember the December before I left. I left in um, May of the per- the next year. I we, we always closed for uh, the entire month of December and half of January just because it was a European based company. It was very similar to to their, how they worked over over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually was afforded this kind of six week paid vacation off. And when you have trauma with your family and you don't have a regular relationship, and at this point my first marriage went, you know, down the toilet and it was more like burned down the toilet, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a story for yeah. a different day. Burned and flushed. Yeah. Exactly. No, it was more like a dumpster fire. It took a little while, but that's a <laughs> Yeah. A different story for a different day. Um, I took six weeks and I actually went away. I went to an ashram um, and I did silent meditation, silent retreats. Got really, really clear on what it was that I liked and what it was that I didn't like, and really started to figure out and started to honestly trust my a little bit of my intuition and start to make moves towards towards something that I knew I was actually meant to do versus just trying to fit in this in this bucket that was you know my family's. My family still looking for love for my family.
1: Sure, yeah, still seeking something that really was inefficient or deficient in Mm -hmm. providing for you. And it sometimes takes that move of like removing ourselves from the environment to get a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I love that you did self care in a way that was slower and peaceful and quiet, and allowed you to be retrospective. Would you? um, Was it a full six week program?
0: It was a six so I went actually did a private mentorship with um, one of the, the lead members of the, uh, the religious community. and um, two of those weeks were actually silent. The rest were four, the, the rest of the four weeks were not but it was like daily meditations, daily prayer sessions, daily hiking, just getting out in touch with nature, daily kind of spiritual guidance if you will from from one of the ones who I consider my mentor. Love it. So really just kind of diving full deep into the spiritual realm, full deep into self-care, which I hadn't really taken care of me, mm-hmm. um, honestly, ever. That was never taught as a child. So like it honestly felt... I wrestled with it for a while when I went to this, this ashram in Virginia because it felt selfish. It felt selfish for me to go away for six weeks. And I had a dog, bored my dog for me to go away without my cell phone, without anything really, and just kind of be. Yeah. And this was for... Um, at what, what age were you at when this happened? I was 24. Nice. I mean,
1: love how fortunate. I, I wish I had that kind of awakening that young. And in the support structure that you discovered, That's that's really amazing because not many people take that pause. And so I'm curious if someone who's listening that might be in this phase of feeling stuck or realizing that you know they're out of alignment with what they really want, and um, in a situation that doesn't feel healthy. Mm-hmm. I'm using my quotation hands, you know, <laughs> to them. Um, what what advice would you give them, or or what kind of steps to help them discover how they could potentially shift that, or um, find the right method to open
0: to help them open up a little bit to what's next. So I mean, honestly, for me, it, and I think for a lot of the people who I work with from a trauma perspective is just to breathe and to get really quiet for a minute. So often we're in this like hamster wheel of life running and cycling through um, to try to not to feel and to try to suppress something. So I think even if someone who's listening, maybe he says, six weeks is not realistic. I can't leave my life, my family, whatever my business, whatever the case is for them. Um, it's just starting to carve out some time to get quiet. And then to hear what's coming up for you. So that could be honestly just listening to intuition. And if something doesn't feel right, start asking the question why it doesn't feel right. Because so often, I think, in the state of women that we are and the type of a lot of entrepreneurs are these powerful type A go-getting women. And I think there's a preconceived notion that we put upon ourselves 100% that we have to prove something. And for the most part, that proof is to ourselves so for us to really sit down and get quiet and figure stuff out and then actually say okay cool this is what came up and then follow that is literally some of the most life changing work
1: it's so true i mean that's it's i love that that you are giving everyone just a practical way of just slow down breathe listen to yourself listen to the answers that you come up with to these questions of you know, where am I unhappy? what What can I do about it? or just even to allow the space for it? because you're so right. Like we push, 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 push. I had to learn it the hard way also. it was It was showing up in health issues for me mm-hmm. in my twenties. Like I was on that career climb. I went through the same type of have to prove it to others energy, and and that was what I was waking up for versus the work I had to do to really get in tune with myself and say you know what no I, I i need to flow today into what matters most for me to be my strongest most energized and then the doer side like we can exactly. we, we do all day long right like we doing is not a problem <laughs>
0: it's, the, it's <laughs> no it's the not problem. it's actually kind of the opposite problem <laughs> yeah
1: exactly it's
0: the not doing right mm-hmm. that we need to lean into and so i love that you're bringing that up so no, it's funny cuz still it's one of the and one of the tools that's very tactical that I use to this day. I just I showed Karine my paper planner before we pressed record on here. And if something that I do doesn't fill right or you know maybe it's a new program that I'm launching or a new type of call that I'm doing or maybe a different style podcast that I'm being interviewed for. I have two color highlighters. I have a pink highlighter and a teal highlighter cuz I'm a girl. I don't want red and yellow. The pink highlighter is something I don't want to do again. So, it might not, it's basically an undoing. It may have been, you know, a different analysis that I did, or like I said, a different podcast, but it's a different style that I'm just testing myself and checking in with myself of how I want to continue, honestly, further living, further drilling down in alignment.
1: I love that. So, you color code it so that it's easily yeah. identified. That and, way, you know what, and what about, so, teal is used for what you want to continue doing
0: what I want to continue doing or what I check it off when I get it done. Um, So it's just kind of the... It's the neutral stuff. The pink is kind of the one that draws my attention into you know maybe this isn't feel right or maybe I'll test it out again. A lot of times when I'm highlighting stuff like that and something comes up for me, it's not something you can change really quickly in that moment. Sometimes it is and that's great. Yeah. But a lot of times, it's something that slowly you have to start undoing, whether that's a different product that's maybe not in alignment with you or doesn't fit in your flow or just isn't your energy or your vibe anymore. Yeah. Um, you've outgrown it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which is which is something that we talk about often in business, one-on-one, but that's not actually in the public purview right now, is that you can now grow your business. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. yeah. And then and as you've gone through your
1: growth spurts, because I know you've launched several businesses and and decided on moving into other areas of business. So you're you come back from the ashram, you're at six weeks, you're what happens then? You decide what did you decide at that point?
0: So when I was there, I actually decided that I would spend a little bit more time on my side hustle marketing. So I was kind of doing it on the side for a couple yoga studios, um, a chiropractor, like something a little bit else in the health and wellness industry. So I started deciding that honestly, a little bit of my efforts would go more towards there and I would give myself an end date. So I gave myself the end date of March 31st. It didn't exactly happen like that. But Mm -hmm. I gave myself kind of a cutoff date. And I ended up leaving the following two months later in May. But I had like certain goals that I wanted to, wanted to make myself feel secure. And then basically started the un- undoing process while I was starting to birth this, this solopreneur agency that was turning into more than just me. Cause I knew I couldn't survive on that income that was just kind of the side hustle. So I started making my own marketing plans and doing my own website and doing my own marketing and, and promotion and going to my own events to talk about me versus yeah. to talk about the, the business and industry that I was in. So it was a process <laughs> and there were some bumps along the way, absolutely. But I, I, I should have, to be honest with you, I should have said, you know, I'll stay a couple more months and get a little bit more funds in, in the, the bank. Um, but it, I wanted to kind of hold true to the date that I had given myself of my like expiration date. Um, when
1: I think also sometimes when we're separate, like when the side hustle starts to turn into more of a full time, Mm-hmm. focus, it's really hard to actually toggle between two different versions of yourself. Yes, It has to show up when one of them you're more passionate about than the other. Or one of them you know you're in more control of, I should say, than the other. Like so that,
0: it's, it's funny you just mentioned toggling between the types of people because I see that so often, honestly, and I see that in myself as well, just being a serial entrepreneur. Um, so much so that there's a funny little thing that we were just talking about in the office is I have a bookshelf behind me and I have a religious section and I have a self-help section and I have a business section and I have a <laughs> kind of female novel section. I have like all these different parts, but none of them touch. Mm. And I feel like it's such a perfect analogy to my life previously, where I would basically have all these parts, but nothing would touch. I wouldn't yeah. allow them to kind of cross their cross their border and actually infuse. So I would talk about yoga when I was a yoga teacher. I would talk about birth when I was doula I would talk about business when I was in my business, but I never actually infused all the parts to me until a couple of years ago.
1: And what was that like, re- realizing the value of integrating it all for yourself in your own unique
0: way versus the compartmentalizing? <laughs> um, the only word that comes to mind is rebirth. Mm, it, nice. And it was so easy. It made it so easy easy i know cuz it's all of you exactly all of like, you showing up right. i don't have to have this conversation with you i can like sit down for you know a doula client for coffee and tell them that i'm you know own a couple other businesses like i don't have to like segregate that mm-hmm. and it was no longer like i was taking one mask on putting one mask off taking one yeah. mask on putting one mask off it was just very much this is me you get what you get you get all the different pieces and one day when I have no OCD, I'll actually change the bookcase that's behind me. <laughs> For the time being, they are still segregated on the bookcase, just not in my personality anymore.
1: You could just go into a different OCD method of color coding them versus. We were just like, talking topic. about. Yeah.
0: We were just talking about that. My team was like, "So, do you think it's time to like you know change up the books and let them let them come together and maybe have a red section and a blue section?" Yeah. Uh, so it's hilarious. If that happens, I'll take a picture and
1: send it to you. Yes, please. Yeah, we'll share it with with everybody because it's it it's really an awareness of your space, also, right? Like who we are shows up in all we do. Mm -hmm. So, and I love that you found the integrative side of yourself for all the skills. Like I always say, tell people like I don't know how to turn this off. Mm -hmm. Like what you see, like what you see is what you get. Like I will be highly like business strategy. Build your seven, eight figure business, map it out, tell you who you need to hire, how, to, you know, like all that crazy side of me that's mm-hmm. so in my gifting, right? And then there's the side of me that's super spiritual that can, exactly. you know, download for you what I'm seeing and the vision of things and connect and meditate together and let's go, you know, go mm-hmm. pamper. And then there's the girly side, like all that's all of me. I don't know how to turn it off anymore. Like I think, I think it was it that started to really shine for me, probably on that cusp of 40 for me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in that awakening of, this is who I am and I'm tired of the toggle. Like yeah. it's, it's exhausting to feel like you have to be one version of yourself in one environment and another version of yourself
0: in another when it's just all you. See, and I feel like for me, that's such a product of my trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, having trauma as a child, you tend to have visibility issues. Sure. So I felt as though I could only be visible and showing up in a certain way at a certain time to certain people was safe. Yes, I see that. I totally see that. Which is now that I look back on it, I see it. But for years while doing it, I mean, no one said it. No one told me and I didn't see it. No. (laughs) But but now I mean, looking back, it makes total sense as to why I didn't think I could combine also because there's a fear of rejection and a fear of not being liked. Well, and also
1: it's, uh, yes, the, the fear of it, I would totally see that. And it's also the identity shaping, right? Like yes. if our identity is shaped by the ter- determination of what others, we we believe others should be thinking of us, then we're never coming from within and designing our identity that way. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we are not as as the people, right? Like we are not really facing identity forming, decisions for ourselves until we are out of someone else's household or exactly. until we are out of a framework that allows us to explore what mm-hmm. our identity for us needs to be.
0: And then, I mean, it's funny because you mentioned household too. I feel like a lot of times, especially the women that I work with who have had a you know, traumatic past, they may have been out of the household and have no contact, but there's still these shackles and there's still these like just chains of things that they're carrying from someone else that's not even theirs to carry. Of course, yeah. So it's just it's. I'm, I'm so honored I get to do the work that I do. Honestly, and and honestly, it just shifts generations of people.
1: It really does because you're you're going from the inside out, mm-hmm. but then also helping your clients be more present in realizing that whatever happened and the stories that they tell themselves or. Um, the incidents that they have is not happening right now in this moment, and you get to choose in this moment who you want to show up as and exactly. how you want to show up. And so, tell tell our listeners because we haven't explained yet the work that the trauma work you do now in this business that you have today and how you're helping entrepreneurs leverage it to to
0: you know put who they truly are out into the world. Yeah. So I combine all of those six parts of my bookshelf into one. <laughs> um, and I actually work one-on-one with female entrepreneurs who and help them leverage their past traumas into fulfilling businesses. And honestly, our first piece of our work is figuring out what's fulfilling to them. Yeah. So I have some businesses that are 500,000 and they're comfortable. And then I have some businesses that are 40 million and just want that empire. Mm-hmm. So we figure out that fulfillment and then we combine um, some of my intuitive gifts. We combine my, my hardcore business strategy and figure out how to, how to birth something or how to rebirth something for them that's 100% truly them.
1: It's so beautiful because it's aligned a lot with also some of the work I do. But I love how you also have an agency and mm-hmm. you go in and you're running you know, this business yourself with entrepreneurs and you've had other types of businesses. So your exposure creates a, also a realistic approach for yes. each of the entrepreneurs that work with you to see that it's actually possible. Exactly. You're, you're a walk by example or lead by example type of person. You walk the talk, which I
0: love. And that's why we click so well. <laughs> I was just going to say, that's why we connected because <laughs> that was one of our first conversations is a lot mm-hmm. of these people who were coaching and doing strategy work. But I'm like, you've never truly done your work for you or the work for you and your business.
1: <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, yeah. It's a great way to measure. Um, the coach you decide to work with is like, have they actually walked the talk and done the work? It's so important. There's everybody... I feel like everybody's popping up right now with like a coaching practice or a method of trying to sell their service. And it might be um, uh, an acute care situation, Mm -hmm. but they're selling themselves as much bigger than what they're capable of. You always have to ask... (laughs) How they've done it, who they've done it for, get some references right before selecting, so that you can actually
0: get to where you want to go by leveraging and investing in that. In and that it's so funny you mentioned that because I've worked with a number of people who have actually said they've been re-traumatized from working with someone. Oh, definitely because it's I... a level of trust that they put in that person. Yes, a level of energy and money that they've invested, and then that can be traumatic if they're not getting the results that you know a lot of times have been promised. It makes it makes me so angry. I mean, girl, we can have an episode on that where we're both standing on soapboxes and preaching. So, yes. oh my god, it just makes me like, oh, it just—it's so
1: frustrating. I don't—I can't even tell you how many people, even my corporate clients that I work with, mm-hmm. where they are consistently getting taken advantage of by others, other services, other other um, you know consultancies, whatever it is. Because they, they themselves are not the expert on managing that service or knowing exactly like what, what does it mean, but they were sold a promise. And I have had to go back in and like renegotiate on their behalf to get their money back because I can't stand it. It's like a pet
0: peeve of mine. <laughs> exactly. Nope. 100%. And it's so funny because one of the things that's coming through for me is just that... I mean, as just someone who is hyper-aware and as someone who has this this moral righteousness conscious because yeah. of my childhood sure. I just it's everything in my power for some of the cases that I hear not to like go file a class action lawsuit because I'm that girl. Yeah. Like I'm like you are literally doing more harm than good. Sit down, Cheryl, like just stop. <laughs> right. Right? So, yeah. no offense to any Cheryls who are listening to your no, podcast No, no. it's a, it's like hypothetical Cheryl. <laughs> I just I'm sick of hearing Janet. I had I have a client named Janet. So, we moved to Cheryl now. <laughs>
1: well i mean i it's really it's great work that you're putting out there but also just having the conversation around trauma And i'm curious do you believe that everyone this is just a statement and i want i want to know what you believe do you believe that everyone has some sort of trauma in their life that they've gone through that they can face to get to uh a more uh, connected level of where they're meant to stand in life today.
0: Yeah, so I talk about little t and big t trauma. And little t trauma can essentially be someone not picking you for kickball every time when you know the gym class divided you out. Yeah, I have so that many could... of those. <laughs> Wait, for kickball or like <laughs> any of them
1: I was called like the caboose.
0: When I was... So you understand that. I totally understand the little T. Yeah. So you understand the little T, but what people don't realize it's death by a thousand paper cuts. Yes. You know, literally thousands of little T's equals still a really big T. Yeah. So that's one of the pieces, but I feel like there's a correlation between trauma and limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. I believe something can be a limiting belief and not be trauma. Yes. But I believe kind of all trauma is a limit is the baseline of a limiting belief. So I feel like some, most of the time, limiting belief is not something that you kind of birthed on your own. Right. It's something that someone gave to you, whether it was being picked last for you know, a kickball tournament or whether it was being thrown across the room or sexually abused and molested. Mm. So it's, it's all the same. It all manifests the same to just You're varying not- different degrees, but it all shows up as, as trauma. So I believe almost everyone has some sort of limiting belief, potentially trauma. Yeah, so it's
1: really the root of of understanding what you the stories you tell yourself or what you believe, uh, and how you actually define them in your life, right? Mm -hmm. Like you could see it as a as that was a moment in time and that happened
0: to me, but that was then and go through moment. Sorry, I was going to say that's not my defining moment, and so many people use it as their defining moment. Yes,
1: and then they continue to lean into that and retell that story, retell it, retell it, retell it. And then they wonder why they're feeling out of alignment Mm -hmm. with what they truly desire out of life or business or whatever they're trying to achieve for themselves because they're not necessarily connected with how they fill themselves up, realizing that that limited belief, that story, that event that they're reliving is what could be holding them back.
0: And so often history repeats itself so if you don't heal from that thing, if you don't do the work surrounding that thing, whatever it is for you, it's going to show up again. And again, and it might show up in a marriage versus a business or a business versus a marriage or in a friend relationship or you know, it has different different heads that it can come to, but it's still going to show up until you actually do the work on it. It doesn't just yeah. poof go away as as I mean Unless you want to start talking about shamanism and ayahuasca ceremonies, and that's a whole other story <laughs> that's you know unconscious conscious beliefs. But I mean, for the mo- that's still part of the work of doing. it is
1: hundred percent part of the work. And I and I do believe in the the frequency that we choose to stand in energetically in our body matters hundred percent. So we've gone through big T trauma or little T trauma. It created a frequency, a bump in our or a. Disconnect in our energy cycles that then literally dictates how we show up, right? Like it, 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 and it makes us either slouch when we walk into a room or have our shoulders held up high when we walk into a room. Like there's so many ways that, and so many levels of the work, using my quotation hands, <laughs> that it's, um, that it is so important to at least explore it, you know, like at least explore and find. Modalities, people, the energy around you that can at least align better with who you desire to be so that you can find the path to get there. Exactly. 100, 100%, 100%. Yeah. It's, lo- it's lovely to have the conversation because I think, you know, for those who are listening that might be sitting with some, you know, just disconnect from within and not sure what it's from, if they were to, Find the right help to approach the best way to manage through whatever that trauma might be, and even if it were little paper cut, I could think of so many of the little cuts right that built up for me over time, mm-hmm. even that it took me a long time to understand how to articulate even how it felt to me exactly. like that was that was the biggest thing for me to find my empowerment was to say, "Oh, wait a minute, like I don't have to feel that way, like that's actually not." Uh, the normal stance. I can actually feel different. I can Mm -hmm. actually be on the other side of this. And uh, so I've had all sorts of different types of lovely help, um, advisors, therapists, coaches, whatever
0: you want to call them, my guides, my angels, (laughs) all of the above. And it's so important with what you just said as well. Because I feel like... For a couple of things. I feel like people are scared of the T word. They're like, well, I don't want to say I had trauma. Yeah. And I was actually that person. So I understand that mentality. Like, even having gone through physical, mental abuse, like a side order of sexual abuse, like all of the things, I still wouldn't say trauma for the longest time because I didn't want to actually have that label. Yeah. And it's again that visibility piece. It's again that trying to fit in piece where I'm like, oh, if I say that, that's all that they're going to think that I am. So yeah,
1: because then it you feel you think it's going to shape your identity, but what it actually does is it unveils your true identity mm-hmm. when you face it. Exactly, who
0: you were truly meant to be.
1: Yeah, and it gives you the space. But again, you have to find the uh, the environment that allows you to express yourself in that way, or find the help, find the right guides to get there. Um, so, like you know, sharing some of these things with the with the most judgmental people in your life
0: probably not the place. Exactly, you know, like, that's going to shut you down even more. So, you know, You're like okay, you need a prescription of Paxil and Zoloft and <laughs> like every sort of anti. You are like, no, no, I just want to heal from it. I am not depressed, but that's honestly one of the things, one of the stigmas that I've seen in in my healing journey is when I do go to certain people, they want to medicate, right? 'Cause they can't even fathom actually living with those types of things that happened to you. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't want to medicate. I just want to figure out like my reasoning, my why, my purpose, like what all this like played out to be, like my soul contract, you know. But I don't need to I don't need to numb anymore.
1: Well, and I think that's because you you went through an uh, an existence of not numbing yourself to know. Mm-hmm. that there is something that you could do naturally. Some people do need the medications 100%. in order just to get to the layer of conversation. Exactly. Um, and so I it's was not for very us...
0: much like that in the beginning.
1: 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody has their own path, their own, their own method. And, and I, what I like about what you're bringing to the table for our listeners to benefit from is that just get into the space, like at least go through the discovery to figure out... Mm-hmm. How you can face if there are things going on that have created a limited belief for you, that are stopping you from really going after whatever it is, whatever relationship it is that you want, the job you want, the business you want to run, the whatever okay. is your
0: highest good and highest
1: purpose. Yes, it just takes those. it takes others. like we're I don't believe we are meant to be in this world alone. It's why we're birthed from other people. <laughs> it's also why we're put into communities that teach us lessons, uh-huh. good ones and the bad ones, but they're yep. teaching us. But it's truly as us. I always say, like, whenever uh I was so excited to become an adult because then I could choose for myself. Like that is the biggest right as an adult. You started at a young age, going to school at 16 and and claiming your adulthood and finishing college at 19 and having this really demand for you to take over your life at a young age and i think it's it's at any time we move into adulthood it is our choice you know as children unfortunately when most of the trauma happens is because we don't have another choice like exactly. it's it's the circumstance we're under but we as adults can completely decide how we want to show up in the world and and what environments we want to put ourselves with and now with the digital age it's like Everything is at our fingertips. It's crazy how easy it is to find the help we need. A hundred percent. hundred percent. So tell me a little bit about what you're focused on now in your business and, um, and what excites you? Like What excites you about showing up every day?
0: Awesome. So when I'm taking a little bit, I'm still working on the integration of all of those sections of me. And um, I actually created a new product and a new program called the Business Chakra Method. Where I'm combining business and energy work, which is something that I've been doing for years, kind of under the table, um, but actually working on putting that out and birthing that into the world, and just fully further integrating myself. That's something that um, will take place in a small group setting. So this will be the first time I don't work one-on-one with clients. Love it. Um, which is another piece, huge piece of my story. I love that one-on-one connection. The groups give me anxiety. So it'll be the first time I'm really ready and excited to actually step into group work versus the one-on-one work with with this method that I've created of really truly identifying um, where energy blocks are for you, what that's tied to in your past, and how to overcome those and honestly use them for leverage. I
1: love that. I love that you're integrating chakra work with business building. I love that you're stretching yourself past one-on-one work to group work because the power of you working in a group is going to be so amazing for these entrepreneurs to be a part of because they all need community too. And you're now going to create it in a foundation that they will leverage for years. So that is so exciting. And I can't wait to hear more about that program and, and participate when ready.
0: Yeah, I'm um, excited to uh, to birth it. To be honest with you, it's been something that you know most gestational periods are nine months. This has been maybe nine years in the making, so it's been it's been with me quite a while. <laughs> well, it's great though. It's a, and it's meant to come out when it's meant to come out. You hundred percent, hundred percent.
1: Yes. So it's beautiful that you're still focused on it and trying to design it in a way that's aligned with who you are, and not make it something just to get it out the door, and. You know, have disappointment on the other end because you didn't give it enough time to bake. Exactly. That's that's like a deflated souffle.
0: (laughs) And no one likes a deflated souffle. Wow, that's so ugly. Deflated souffle. I've never put those two words together. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how it just came out of my mouth either. But Listeners, that's if what you're, I in, if you're in a place where no one's around you, try saying deflated souffle three times fast. <laughs> that's right. That's your challenge. Deflated <laughs> souffle. You can use it as a hashtag and tag us in it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to so have to check that hashtag in a couple you know, weeks or whatever and see how many yes. people have hashtagged us in deflated souffle. <laughs> oh my God. That is awesome. Yeah, but it's so true. You have to fully bake
1: things before you release them I, I think that i think that's another craze that's happening now Is just like just get it out and like fail forward and
0: well and it's ha- funny because even i don't know how much of a foodie you are i'm if you pulled out deflated souffle i'm, I'm assuming you're a foodie i like to like, eat yeah all of these deconstructed dessert plates like a deconstructed cheesecake with like a smear of cheese oh and like, god that's so not enough I'm like, no, 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 no. You're taking out the joy of actually like, the creation process and the birth and just calling it deconstructed when really it's a hot mess on the plate. Right. That's so true. That is is uh, Which is an analogy, honestly, for a ton of businesses you see. Oh my God, you're so right.
1: And I love that alignment there because, yeah, I'm just literally visualizing all the deconstructed plates that I've seen.
0: On like chef's table and the the horse table, it's funny. Hmm the hysterical and the irony in all of this is the deconstructed ones are generally three times the price of the regular ones.
1: Of course they are. Because it took... <laughs> so here's the thing about deconstructed stuff. When you put what I'll call a half ass thing out on a plate, you're, you're actually... For your clients, you're making them work twice as much to appreciate you. Exactly. Because now the person has to take the spoon and put it in an order in order to get the full constructed take, the taste of it, the whole thing... And do more work as
0: opposed to serving them out the gate for what they ask for. hundred percent. And I love that this podcast just went to food-based analogies. It <laughs> excites me. I've never been on a podcast where we start talking about deconstructed desserts and, and again, deflated soufflés. I have to yeah. pause and really say it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can. We've got this.
1: Yes. Because it's, it is a, the, it's understood, uh, understandable too when we relate
0: everything back to food. Because mm-hmm. we all have to eat. Yes. So I love it too. And I'm glad... Next time you're hiring a coach or a consultant, ask yourself, is this a deflated, deconstructed souffle or am I getting the real thing? (laughs) Right? Am I getting the whole piece of pie? Exactly. I had no idea where this podcast was going to go, so I'm pretty excited it's going here, yeah,
1: exactly, girl. It's all about your journey and and how we can help impact our listeners and it in what I love about you, Cassandra, is that we could talk about anything mm-hmm. and it's highly aligned with whoever's listening. It's what they need to hear exactly, you know that's the gifting of when you do the work and you know that you could show up in any room and just be present and just honor what's being asked of you like that to me is it's just the the most fun and it's why I love this Mm -hmm. podcast because I can have conversations like this but also because I know those who are listening got what they
0: needed from our
1: conversations I really appreciate having you on the show today if any of them want to connect with you what's the best way to connect
0: yeah, so my uh, home of all things on the internet is just Cassandra, C-A-S-S-A-N-D-R-A, shuck, dot com, And you can find links to my podcast, Stacked Against. You can find links to all of my social media, kind of see what I'm up to, see where I'll be traveling to. Would love to meet some of you guys if you are any in any of the areas.
1: I love that. I love that she does events, guys. You have to check out her schedule and meet her in person because she's so much fun. And as you listen to today's episode and want to love on our deflated souffle conversation, (laughs) please share it with us, share it with others who you know could benefit from the conversation. And I just want to thank you so much for joining me today, Cassandra. And I have one final question before we close out today's conversation.
0: Okay. How do you define what a badass is? It's someone who sees what she wants and unapologetically goes after it Time and time and time and time again.
1: (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much for being on today's show. And I will catch you all in the next episode. Wasn't that such a great episode? I know you got amazing takeaways from that. What I would love for you to do for me, if you can help me extend my reach, is go ahead and subscribe to the show so you get... The latest notification and listen before anyone else. Also, if you could go ahead and post your review, your five star review will help me get other people interested in this conversation and extend my reach of impact. Most of all, I would love for you to share this with your community. It means so much to me to have you as a listener. And I would love to connect with you. So if you have any questions you would like me to answer on this show, go ahead and email hello at kareenwalsh.com and my team will make sure that I get your questions so we can get them answered on the show for you. Thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you on the next episode.